We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacers big board to finish out our top 20. If you haven't already listened to 11 to 20, I encourage you to go back and do that first as we're working our way down here. But Fachi, let's get things going here at number 10 on your Pacers big board. Who you got? I think it's only right to start with the player that we ended last episode with. And at number 10, that's Leonard Miller hey, on my go. list. He can play a guard. He could be a forward wherever you want to put him at. He's six foot ten with a seven foot two wingspan with guard skills. This is someone that we talked about last year, would have been one of the youngest players in the draft. Probably would have been looked at as a far more of a project. Goes to the G League. I don't think he could have done much more other than, you know, improve from three point range, but he averaged, gave you 17 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. He was very efficient at, at about 54%. And from three-point land, just 30%. So he does leave some to be desired, but shot about 79% from free throws. So it feels like, you know, the, the shot will come. He's got a, he's comfortable in the mid-range area. I think Leonard Miller is someone that's going to be continuously climbing up these boards that, man, if the Pacers have any chance at getting them, it's getting harder by the day. But that frame, that 6'10 frame, is something that you got to covet and know that this player, while just 19 years old, is going to be, in my opinion, very good for a long time. No, I, I can't say enough great things about Leonard Miller. I'm glad we're very close on him. Uh, so that's really awesome. And I think fans are going to love him too. But let's move on to my number 10 here, Fachi. This is where things get interesting because I've got Anthony Black at number 10. Anthony Black is a very interesting prospect. Six foot six guard from Arkansas, who's basically a point guard, 
Uh, a lot of comparisons I've seen all over the place. Most of them always point back to Lonzo Ball. But the big problem here is the three-point shooting, just 30% from three. But I think he can guard multiple positions. I think he's an incredible playmaker, has great feel for the game. He is going to be a very good point guard wherever he goes, and I can see him going as early as six, Machi. I, I think if the Hornets took him at two, that's way too high. I think if the Rockets took him at four, that's understandable, but I still think it's a little too high. I think the Magic at six could make a lot of sense, but the Magic, they definitely need shooting on their roster, so that could be the only problem there with that being a good fit. But this kid, I mean, he is an incredible defender. We saw him guard the best player a lot in Arkansas's run this year in the tournament, and I just think that, one thing that I'm a little bit worried about is the unproven shot, specifically catch and shoot and off the dribble. Uh, just you don't see a lot of guards like really make it without that in their game. And like he's going to have to develop a, a decent shot to really be super impactful. But I, I still believe in his game overall and think that he's going to be a very good player in this league, specifically on the defensive side of things. There's a lot to like, and it starts with that height, that size, that six foot six, six foot seven as a guard. I mean, yeah. that there's a lot to like there. Defensively, you mentioned it. Yeah, you're you're getting a real good defender. If that three point shot falls, that's a very special player right there. So very I think there is a lot to like, and he is on my list, but just not yet. Okay. Now, next on my list, I have another guard. That's Kaysen Wallace, six foot four guard out of Kentucky. Look, Kentucky guards, they're slept on year after year. They don't go at the, at the highest pick unless they're, you know, maybe like, uh, you know, uh, a John Wall or, or any any of those type of players. But with Kaysen Wallace, you're getting a really good defensive guard, a real good spot up shooter. But I think that defensively, there's shades of Drew Holiday in yeah. his game. Average about two steals per game. A lot to like, and I, I think if there wasn't a, a Scoot Henderson in this draft, Jason Wallace might be looked at as one of the best you know, guards in this draft, and he still is in that category. But there's obviously a big difference, a big drop-off, but this is someone that will be a top-10 pick. So, Jason Wallace, I have him over here, and I think, yes, the Pacers don't need another guard, but the talent is very much there that someone's going to get a really good player. Man, I love Kaysen Wallace, and I'm starting to fall in love more and more with his game, Fachi, so I will have to save my comments till we get to him. Um, for me, at number nine, this is probably going to be a bit of a surprise because I was super high on this guy at the beginning of the year, but he's fallen down all the way to number nine for me. That's a Min Thompson. I am shocked that I'm even saying this out loud because I do believe in the Thompson twins, but like I said, the shot is something that does really make me a little bit nervous. I think that Amin Thompson for the Pacers, this is one thing too you have to realize. For the Pacers, he is best with the ball in his hands. He is a point guard. And I worry about his fit on this team if he is to play off ball next to a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. And I don't want Tyrese not having the ball in his hands either. So that's for me is where this gets very interesting. Now, with Amin, he's six foot seven with a six foot nine wingspan. I think he even measured at like seven foot at the combine. So this might mm -hmm. be a little bit wrong. That. So he's got a seven foot wingspan. He's six foot six foot six foot seven. Really, I do believe that he's the probably the most athletic player in this draft. And I think that he can do a lot of great things. But at the end of the day, if you can't shoot and you're a wing in this league, 
you're going to get played off the floor. And, and we talk about this all the time. Now, defensively, he can be really, really good. If he can develop his shot and get better, like I said, his shot hasn't improved. There was a video that went out where he was working on his shot, and it does look okay, but it also has a weird release. Now, I understand Tyrese Halliburton has a weird release, but there's a difference here because Amin Thompson brings the ball down super low in front of his face, and I think that could be problematic trying to get shots over guys. But I, I think he's an awesome player. I think that defensively, he's probably, to me, better than Anthony Black as a defender, Fachi. So you're going to see a very interesting guy that we really don't have great film on because if you look at the overtime elite film, the whole entire league is just so up in the air. But for me personally, I just feel like there's other guys that I like fit wise with the Pacers better than Amin Thompson. So I've cooled off a little bit on him as of May 29th when we're recording this. It's May 30th when you're probably listening to this, but Amin Thompson comes in at number nine for me, Fajin. Oh man, the Thompson twins so hard for me to like, Project because obviously we know the talent is definitely there. There are some holes to their game. The upside is through the roof. But yes, to your point, there are better fits for the Pacers that you feel are more of a sure thing. So I will get to, uh, you know, Amin Thompson a little bit later. But for right now, I have Anthony Black. Okay. Six foot six, six foot seven, depending where you where you uh, read. One of the best guards in this draft, a high level defender. Shades of Lonzo Ball, you read from time to time, a floor general. There's a lot to like, but that three-point shooting that you mentioned is not something that comes to mind. It's got to be there. There there are these holes in so many players' games, and a lot of it comes to shooting. And in the NBA, where you either take threes or you take layups, you got to be elite at, at, at one or two of them. And I feel like he's a good finisher, but he's got a lot to grow, you know, from a, a three-point shot, from a jump-shooting standpoint. Another one of those players that's just going to be 19 years old come draft time. So, good, really good playmaker. Um, whoever's going to get him is going to get a really good guard. And the Pacers, I don't I don't think, are going to be that team. But it's impossible to overlook the talent. Yeah, like I said, Anthony Black, he's, he's very interesting. And, like, these guys, I think, like, you can make the case for a ton of them to like be interchangeable with where they're at. Like that's why like when you see a lot of the the big boards, it's like after the top three, it's like four through nine all feel very similar. And mm-hmm. you can probably make that same case for a lot of the guys we're talking about here because there's so many good players. But for me, Fachi, at number eight, I'm going to go with someone you already brought up, and I think he's the second best guard in this draft. I'm going Cason Wallace. I love Cason Wallace. And I didn't really give him much time of day when I was – doing a lot of other pre stuff because he was so short, only six foot two, but with a six foot eight wingspan and with the way he plays defense, I think that the drew holiday comparison is spot on. And if you put a player like drew holiday next to Tyrese Halliburton and Ben Matherin, I think it's a seamless fit. The catch and shoot threat. He's got that. He's got great feel for the game. Like you talked about his defense. I think it's really going to be special in this league, very instinctual, Fachi. And that's one thing that you cannot undersell when you're talking about prospects is instincts. And he is a guy that is great at that. And he takes care of the ball. That's a great thing about him as well. I think you have a combination of Drew Holiday with DeAnthony Melton based on what Kevin O'Connor said, which, uh, yeah, sure, that feels like (laughs) one guy that's really good at what he does and one guy that's like very average at what he does. It's like somewhere in the middle. Okay. I just think that with what he does, averaging two steals a game, right? Yep. Didn't put up a lot of points. This is a guy that 
makes sense with our entire backcourt. Even if you want to throw in Andrew Nimhard and TJ McConnell in the mix, this is a guy that if the Pacers could trade back up to get him, I would totally understand. But I I was talking to our, our good friend Richard Stamen from Mavs Draft, and he shared a video with me of Cason Wallace just knocking down three after three after three in the corner. And he was basically telling me, like, yeah, I think this guy is going to be, like, his floor is, like, top five. So, to me, it's like, this is a guy that I've continued to fall more in love with. And Ryan Hammer did a great Instagram reel on Cason Walls as well, just describing his game. The more, I, the more I watch him, the more I am just intrigued. So, that's why I have him at number eight for me. And one thing I want to say is, because I mentioned that Kentucky guards are slept on. They have a certain style uh, under Calipari where... Their guards are not averaging like 20 points per game. I believe the one guard under Calipari who averaged 20 points per game at Kentucky was Jamal Murray. And it's like Jamal Murray is a really good pro. You mm-hmm. look at Devin Booker who fell to 14 uh, and then Tyler Hero who was at 13. These are guys that have had really good NBA careers and been far better in the pros than they were at college. And I do think that Casey Wallace has far more to his game that was not shown at Kentucky that people are sleeping on him on, on a lot of, uh, you know, Mock drafts, I see him at the eighth spot, to just past the Pacers. So I think that that's someone that is going to end up making a, a, a lot of people say, you know what, maybe we were a little bit lower on him as we saw perhaps higher upside in players that never end up reaching it. And that could very well happen in this draft. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, number seven, who do you have here? Number seven, I got a player that it, it hurt me to put him here because I wanted to put him higher. But when in doubt, I had to leave it to the pros. That's Taylor Hendricks. Okay. At, at six foot nine, he shot 39% from three, 1.7 blocks per game, seven boards, seven foot two and a half wingspan. Gotta love that. I feel like this is a real good two way player. That if the Pacers are to take Hendricks, you're going to get someone that I think has a very, very high ceiling and can contribute right away. Obviously, goes to UCF. They don't make the tournament. He, but we talked about it before that he's the highest recruit UCF has ever had. So he could have gone to plenty of other schools. But Taylor Hendricks is a player that I am very intrigued with, and I struggled just putting him at seven. Yeah, it's tough. I have him higher for sure. Okay. I, I think he really fits this Pacers team a lot, and it's tough because at the same time you're trying to you're trying to evaluate best fit with overall talent. Yes. And like I said earlier, like you can't just like look at your roster and be like, oh, that's the best fit for our roster. Well, your roster can change in a year. So at this point, I don't have a problem with him at number seven. I think that's fair because I think he's in that range with these guys. So for me, Fachi, this is number seven. And if you probably forgot that I said I had him on my list. And when you brought him up earlier in the in the 11 to 20 range, that's Gigi Jackson. Oh, okay. Very high. I am. I, like I am. This is my Taris and Fachi. This is my guy that I've got Ooh. higher than consensus. I think that the immaturity really screwed him over in terms of his overall talent. I think South Carolina's lack of playmaking really hurt his overall talent, but he's a polarizing forward, going to be the youngest player in the league at 18 years old for the, um, you know, the first two months of his rookie season. Uh, he's got raw tools, man. Great athleticism, size, defense, shooting upside. Uh, he's not got the greatest feel for the game, but I think overall, if you just look at what he brings to the table, he is the high upside pick that you're willing to take a, a risk on. Not a willing passer, uh, very inconsistent with what how he plays and can get kind of frustrated. But I think these kind of players, if you put them in a situation where they have structure, 
they have hard coaching but good coaching and they have a great locker room around him these are players that you can get the best out of them and what have the pacers preached all year tyrese halliburton gets the best out of everybody which Rick he did carlisle coach benedict matherin super hard and we know the veterans like george hill james johnson whether they're both on the roster or not we don't know but those kind of guys can really get to these young players and they see the upside of them so for me i I think the Pacers need more wings, more power forwards, more forwards. And that is why I have him above guys like Anthony Black, Kaysen Wallace, uh, Amin Thompson, because I think that for a position of need that this team desperately needs, he fills it. But I also believe in the upside. I think that if he goes to the right team, you're talking in a redraft, he's probably a top seven player. Very well could. I I, I think that, a lot of what you touched on and I touched on as well is like he's so young that we talked about he could have been the number one overall prospect in next season in college. Yeah. You know what that comes to mind? And I think about Shaden Sharp. Yep. Shaden Sharp, I mean, that was someone who reclassified early. I know we didn't play Kentucky, but we were so like, I don't know, is he going to be ready? Shaden Sharp looked real good as a rookie. So I feel like. Well, and maybe uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm not going to touch on it. Was he immature or this or that? But there was questions about Shane Sharp. There's definitely questions about Gigi Jackson. But the talent is not questionable. There is a really high upside in Gigi Jackson. And someone's going to roll the dice. And I, I think that the, the risk will be worth the reward. Or the reward will be worth the risk. You know I know what you're saying. saying. I know what you're saying. Um, So, yeah, that's why I'm very high on him. And maybe I'm too high on him. But. That's somebody I think if the Pacers get back in the lottery, maybe with the Mavericks pick, or maybe, like I said earlier, the Pelicans pick, if they want to trade that, we somehow get our hands on that. He's a guy I'm targeting. You get your guy at seven that you want, and then you take a swing on a guy that I think could really be a big fit for this team in the next coming years. I mean, that's just how much I believe in his game. But once again, I understand the red flags. And if a team's afraid to draft him because of that, I get it. But I think it's a, it's a great time to move on now, Fachi, to your number six. Number six, this is where... The upside really, really comes in. And that's a Sar Thompson. Okay. G League MVP, Finals MVP in the past, six foot seven with a seven foot wingspan. He could rebound, he could defend, he could pass, he could steal. But can he shoot? That's the real question. And but what you're going to get is you're going to get a player that has that star potential at a position. He could play the two, he could play the three. The Pacers have been looking for a player of his caliber instead of the. Aaron Neesmiths or, you know, the maybe uh, O'Shea Brissett type builds. This is someone that actually has that all-star potential. Um, but there are questions about his game. Real good playmaker as well. A lot to like. If the shooting was there, all of a sudden this is an absolute home run pick. And you know what? It very well could develop. Um, but for right now, that's where I got him in that tough spot where, you know, this is someone who's going to be – I would say a, a top seven pick for sure, but there right. are a little bit of questions, but I, I do think the roll of the dice will be worth it in the end. So you're higher on a SAR than a, or excuse me, on a men than a SAR? I guess I went real tough because they're so similar in what you like, but I had to leave to tip the scale. I had to go with some of what the experts were saying. I saw I'm in Thompson just rated higher in a lot of these, uh, you know, big boards, mock drafts. You don't have to go off what they said. This is your personal gut feeling, man. I'm just asking well, you from a personal gut feeling. Who do you like better? I, I guess I'm going with the men Thompson. I don't want to okay. spoil why I got well, him. I mean, but, you know, I get what you're saying, but I'm just telling you, like between the two, I'm just curious. Uh, 
why you know because i think they're very interesting well i guess i'll spoil it then uh defensively i think amen thompson is going to be a better defender in the league a little bit better of a shooter um but you think a man will be a better shooter i I mean i I don't know we'll see i'm not gonna act like (laughs) sar's got a much better shot already yeah well we'll we'll see what happens but one of the things if you want to talk about efficiency standpoint not just three-point standpoint right i mean amen was far far more efficient so asar shot 48 percent in the g league i meant 57 percent in the g league but O-T-E. obviously O-T-E, a lot of the g league O-T-E. yeah, yeah that, that's what i meant that's what i meant yeah <laughs> ot so you know th- there's both players very similar especially in their build and all of that asar racked up the awards like i mentioned yeah but a lot a lot of experts have a minute at that that fourth overall to houston they do. type of scenario where i've not they seen do. asar in any of those well, I'll uh, I won't let you spoil where he's at. I was just curious if you had a quick reasoning for. It. I'm I'm very fascinated by the shooting comment. We'll see how that translates over the next ten years. But uh, number uh, six, I'm not going to die on that hill. Like I'm not. This is not me. You playing said he's a better flag. shooter. I'm just like, what are I'm we just going about? off of an efficiency so, uh, standpoint. It was a big efficiency. big difference. But obviously, the mechanics. There's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There there's yeah, definitely uh, a lot of work, but. If Lonzo Ball could develop into a uh, over forty percent shooter, the last time we saw him, anything is possible. No, and I get it. I get it. I think Amin Thompson's just a different player. I think Asar is more of a scorer, where Amin's more of a, a driver and a facilitator. So, yeah. kind of different players. But for me personally, uh, I, I, I'll save my comments on Asar Thompson because I have him higher than okay. where you have him. So for me, number six, this is where I'm going. I've got Jarris Walker out of Houston. Seven foot three wingspan, six foot seven, 250 pounds. You know, this is a kid that, my goodness, Fachi, he's very polarizing. I, I love Jarris Walker's defensive upside. And I think he is definitely more of a big than he is a wing. Um, yeah, we can maybe, I'll be interested to see how he does guarding guards in the NBA. I think that that's something that I'm still not 100% sold on him doing, but. As a small ball five, I trust him. I think he's very capable of doing that. Obviously, his measure, he didn't he didn't measure very tall. Six foot seven, six foot eight around there. So you wish he was a little bit taller, I'm sure, but you're talking about a guy that's gonna be effective on the glass. He's a good playmaker. He's gonna be a very good pick and roll threat. But man, does this guy need to learn how to finish in the paint? That is one thing we talked about when we did our, you know, prospect chronicles. This guy settles for way too many floaters and I just feel like he's got the build to be more impactful and play with more force. And I don't want to see him kind of just die out on a floater instead of going all out and and giving everything he's got to attacking the rim. So maybe this is a situation where you'll be able to see Carlisle push him to play with more force and not settle for as many floaters. But I do think there's a lot of potential there with his game. I know you like Jairus Walker. Um, if he's at number five, don't spoil it yet. Cause I want to take a break after this, but I, I love Jairus Walker here at number six on my board. There's a lot to like, I know Pacer nation is falling in love with him. I don't have him at number five. So okay. I am ready for that break. If you are. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this for the top five Pacers big board. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, everybody. We are back for the top five Pacers big board to round out our top 20. Fachi at number five. Who do you got? Well, at number five, you just couldn't wait. You pried him out of me. And that's Amen Thompson. Okay. All right. So that's where I have him. Look, when in when in doubt of trying to find the differences between the Thompson twins, they're so similar that on my on my big board, they're just one spot apart. So okay. I, I mentioned before, look, real two-way potential. Amen Thompson, I think, could be a star in the league. You can make the same argument for a star. I think they're both extremely talented. But there are questions about their game. I thought this comparison was just uh, very funny by Kevin O'Connor. Beam pole Zion Williamson. It's like, what? How are you going to say Come that? Come on, that it's is like, ridiculous. Yeah, a huge tall thing about John Zion. It, yeah, it, tall John Morant, beam pole Zion Williamson. I, I just like, I don't know how you could really say that because a big part about Zion's game is his body and just how big he is and how, you know, how fierce he is. So, uh and then Thompson, completely different bodies, you know, maybe in height-wise, a little bit closer at 6'7", but Zion's just so much bulkier. But anyway, you're getting an extremely good athlete, good ball handler. I think that it's someone that the upside is through the roof, but with both those Thompson twins, there is this, either they're stars or what are they? And I think that that's what's going to remain to be seen in the NBA for years to come. They got good work ethic. I'll give them that. Yeah. I mean, and when we talked to Derek Murray last year, like, what did he say? He's like, these guys got their head on their shoulders, right? Oh, yeah. So I, I don't have any doubt about that. I think these guys are going to be really good. I just think that it matters about where they get drafted to and their fit overall with that roster. So that's about everybody, though. But I, I think there's some guys that can just fit no matter what. But I, I think that when you look at a men versus a SAR, I think that a SAR just has more skills now that translate okay. to the nba personally for me um he was the mvp of the ote yeah a man was not 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm going to get to him a little bit later because I don't have him at number five. I got someone else at number five, and that Ooh. is where I have Cam Whitmore, Fachi. I'm very intrigued by Cam Whitmore. Um, this is a guy that I think is just an incredible athlete. And I think, like a lot of people love saying, he's got that dog in him, right? And we've been needing someone like that. I think there's a lot of defensive potential with him as well. I've said it multiple times, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I just got to keep bringing it up. He's, to me, it's a very similar game to Benedict Matherin, and I wonder how those two would coexist together on the floor together. But I'm not worried about that as much because, personally for me, it's like if you draft Cam Whitmore and he's a better upside player than Ben Matherin in five years and they don't fit well together, then you figure it out with Ben Matherin later. I'm not saying I want to give up on Matherin, but I just want to say that if Cam Whitmore has got a higher potential, then don't pass on a guy because you've already got a guy that's a very similar player. I just think they can coexist, then it's a great pick. And I think he's a good rebounder, but he just has a line drive. You got this like line drive vision when he gets the ball. It's like, I'm going to get the ball and score. What am I going to do? And so super explosive. I, I just really love his tape. If you watch any of his highlights and you see some of the dunks that he has, you're like, my God, this guy's going to be really good. So, Overall, for me, I think Cam Whitmore is a very polarizing prospect, but I just wonder, fit-wise with Matherin, maybe why I don't have him at, like, top three, but because I can make the case for him there, but I just feel like for the Pacers roster with how they're built now and what they're wanting to build their future, there's a couple guys that I like fit-wise better than Cam Whitmore. Hey, no doubt about it. Cam Whitmore is a player that is extremely intriguing. I mean, there's the highlights of him makes you feel that this is someone who has – incredible upside and could be a really good two-way player in the NBA for years to come. Uh, and you might hear about him a little bit later in my oh, I'm list. I'm sure I will. If I don't, I'll be disappointed. yet. And that is at number four on my list. I have Jairus Walker. I figured. Look, they're, Pacer Nation, they're in love with Jairus Walker. They are. And, and for a long time, I was like, that's the pick. That's it. And if you want to get a, a sure thing defender, he very well could be the best defender in this draft. Uh, six foot eight. 7-2 wingspan, lot to like. Offensively, will it all be there? We mentioned it. In terms of his two-point attempts, about 55% of them were floaters. That's not what you want to see. So you want him to be more aggressive, just like you, you touched on. One player could get the best out of him. It is Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton, he gets guys looks they could have never even dreamed of. And I touched on him when we did the episode about him a little while ago. He's a very underrated passer. He is a, a good passer. He can play the four. He can play the five. There, there for Jarris Walker. I think that to pair him alongside Miles Turner, I think would be awesome to see. I think the three point uh, shot could very well be there. Shot nearly thirty five percent, just under three attempts. So I think that'll continue to grow. But I think with Jarris Walker, you're more getting a sure thing, real good defensive player, in my opinion, compared to an all star type player and I, I think that while he very much could develop into that I think there's players that have a bit of an easier path to becoming an all-star in the NBA but if the Pacers were to select Jarris Walker I would still be thrilled at pick seven let me ask you this because you I got? asked you this a couple of weeks ago on the prospect chronicles with Ryan Hammer I said Taylor Hendricks Jarris Walker who you taking and you said you're leaning Taylor Hendricks then we come to your big board, and you've got Jairus Walker 4 and Taylor Hendricks 7. So have you changed your mind, and have you gone back to more Jairus over Taylor? I don't know. I struggle with that all the time. <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough because, you know, in reality, for some of the Thompson twins, at least one of them is not going to be there when the Pacers pick, 
like one of them will be drafted ahead of time. They might I both, think both be gone. Be. Yeah, you're exactly. Right. I think both. So be. they might not even be there at all. But there are players that I think might be better fits from the start. I think Jarris Walker is like if he if you slide him in there at picks have we know exactly the role that he could fulfill and all of that stuff. Taylor Hendricks, I am still very high on, but I lean both ways that it's just like one day if the wind blows a certain way, I'm all Taylor Hendricks. Yeah. Other other time it's like oh Jarris Walker, I don't know. So I just I in my opinion I just felt like who's more likely to be a, a top five pick. And I feel like it's Jarris Walker over Taylor Hendricks. So I wanted to not be as biased and just say, you know, this is this is the the way it's going to go. I want to say, hey, you know what? The way it plays out, I could see why people are rating Jarris Walker ahead of Taylor Hendricks because you're getting an elite defensive prospect where for Taylor Hendricks, you're getting a, a good offensive player, a good defensive player who maybe has a higher ceiling, but definitely not as elite defensively as Jarris Walker. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and just say number four for me is Taylor Hendricks. So okay, I, I love Taylor Hendricks. I am very infatuated with this game. And, you know, it's really hard for me to put him above Cam Whitmore because I think Cam Whitmore has got a higher ceiling. But I think if we're looking at for the Pacers and what they want, this is a kid that has it all in terms of what this team needs. And I'm just telling you, you talked about his game. I don't need to say too much about him. People know a lot about Taylor Hendricks right now. Seven foot one wingspan, six foot eight. Positional versatility is what I love about his game. He can play the five, he can play the four, and I think he can even play the three at times if you really need to. But I think he's more of a four that can play the three sometimes, but I also would like to see him potentially play some small ball five. Really cool YouTube video if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, Coach Spinella, Adam Spinella from the Box and One podcast, he had on good friend of the show, Kalen Cooper, and they broke down both the games of Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker on the, on his YouTube channel. And there was a clip there where they were talking about Taylor Hendricks just reading the play so well, tagging the roller, coming over help side to protect the rim. And it's like, that is the kind of stuff that I love in his game because we know that he can score the basketball. We know that he's a good three-point shooter. We shot 40% last year. But his rim protection, 1.7 blocks a game last year, he reads the floor very well for being a forward. So that to me is what I love about him. I think you have great athleticism here with his ability to to be a lob threat as well. So this kid's got it all. And there's a reason why I think he could be potentially off the board before the Pacers get there at seven. Most mocks don't have him off the board by seven, but I think there's a chance that because of all the upside that he brings and the position that he plays, he could jump into the top six and the Pacers could be very disappointed on draft night if he's not there. That would be tough because there are a couple of players between your, uh, you know, your Cam Whitmore's, your Jarris Walker's, your Taylor Hendricks, that if you end up with any of them, you're thrilled with. Mm. Oh, great. Hey, you plug them in right away at a position of need. Awesome. But, man, I know most of the time you, you see Taylor Hendricks in that top 10, you know, anywhere from 7 to 10, it feels like. But I told you, he's someone who grew on me big time that I had a tough choice decided between Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks, because I know offensively, I love the fact that he's basically already a 40% three-point shooter while giving you the defense. It just like feels like it checks more boxes than Jarris Walker, but obviously the Pacers right now struggling so much defensively that it's like they need all the help they can get. So I, I would be thrilled if the Pacers are to take either of those forwards that I mentioned. 
No, for sure, for sure. Let's move into your top three now. I'm curious who you have at number three. Top three, going at three, it's Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore very much could be the best athlete in this draft. We've seen some freakish highlights. We really have. Uh, And I think that you're getting already a really good defender. Uh, Someone that, you know, I I think that on the ball, off the ball, well, I'd I'd say on the ball defense, much better than off the ball. But also someone that had an injury. He had a thumb injury coming into the year, which I feel like kind of took his stats down a little bit. Still was good enough for 12 and a half points, 5.5 rebounds, uh, uh, 1.4 steals. Was efficient, forty-eight percent from the field, thirty-five percent from three. Villanova, you know, first year not having Jay Wright, I feel like it wasn't the most ideal situation over there. But I think that he's shown enough that he could be a really good offensive and defensive side of the player who could be an all-star in this league. And most mock drafts have him at five to the Pistons, so I don't know if he'll be there uh, for the Pacers, but. That's why I have him at three, knowing that he probably won't be there. But the upside is very, very high with a player like Cam Whitmore, who the Pacers should be thrilled if they get. Doesn't have that same wingspan as some of the other players that we mentioned. Maybe 6'6 with a six foot eight wingspan, but someone that I would feel very confident if the Pacers brought him in, we would be able to get the most out of him long term. No, I, I can definitely see the case for that, and that's why I had him, I think, number five on my big board. So, I mean, I, I love Cam Whitmore. It's really hard to not be infatuated with what he can do overall. And it's like, if he's a pick at seven for the Pacers, like, you're excited for that, oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Like, this guy is going to get you excited, jumping out of your, your seat if you're at the game, if you're at home watching on the couch, you're going to be jumping off the couch because this guy is going to make some special plays, talent. Like, he's an incredible athlete. Like, he's, I think he's significantly more athletic than Ben Matherin. Um, and that's saying yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think Ben's a very special athlete, but no, there's no doubt about it. I think that Cam Wimmore is a better athlete than that. And then for me at number three, I've got a guy that I think is a better athlete than both those guys. That's Asar Thompson. I okay. am very high on Asar Thompson because this is a guy that can play make, but he also can put the ball in the basket. He doesn't necessarily have to be the pick and roll kind of guy, but I definitely think he can play very well off the dribble, Flachi, I mean, uh, without the ball on his hand. So I think that he's used to playing with a playmaker and his brother, Amin, and he's going to have that same opportunity here with Tyrese Halliburton. I think they could be a seamless fit together because of that. And one of the things Kevin O'Connor said in his big board is he said, Asar Thompson is a crafty finisher who absorbs uh, and initiates contact often. He's shooting a much lower percentage near the basket this season, but shot over 60% last year with OTE, He's more of a slasher than a pick-and-roll creator, but regardless of how he drives, he's hard to stop from going to the rim. That, to me, is exciting as all get out, to hear about that type of a player. And if you watch any of his highlights, like one thing that he's very good at is the touch pass. Like If he gets the ball thrown to him in the corner, he's not just going to look to score. If the defense is quickly adjusting over, he'll do a quick touch pass to the guy that's wide open for three next to him. So he's definitely an underrated playmaker because most people think of his brother being the playmaker. No, he's a very good playmaker as well. Good rebounder. I I think that he's got a very versatile game overall. And I think that he could actually fit next to Matherin and Halliburton long-term. So that that to me is why I'm so impressed with him. And I think for his position too, he can be a good help side rim protector and shot blocker because he has a seven-foot wingspan and he can jump out of the gym. So, you know, not a good spot-up shooter. Obviously has to get better from three. 
Once again, defenses are not going to respect him until he can show that he can knock it down. But that to me is something that he can figure out. Matherin had the same problem and look what he did. So I just think that he's going to be a beneficiary of the Pacers roster with the playmakers they have and with the, the roster they have assembled to be able to do what he does best. And that's why I'm just very sold on Asar Thompson. Yeah, so much to like. And I thought your comparison about how Ben Matherin struggled from three was spot on because he had such a good rookie season while struggling from three. So you could still be a very good player and have that three-point ball develop over time. But yeah, as a playmaker averaged over six assists per game, you would love to be able to have the playmaking of perhaps, you know, a, a Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Andrew Nemhart, and Asar Thompson in the lineup at the same point. I feel like that ball could be swinging around going any which direction. So a lot to like defensively, you got to be thrilled. So yeah. the upside, and I know that's that's what we keep tossing around here. That's what it is, though. It's, <laughs> it's a draft, maybe. <laughs> it is. And it it's there's a lot of players that are raw, have some of the, the skills and, and boxes checked off, and there's players that still need a lot to be desired. If both Thompson twins figure out a three-point shot, they will take over this league. They will. But it, it, it remains to be seen and just... As time develops, look, everyone's not going to have it from day one. We've talked about how some shooters have developed over time. A guy like Jason Kidd ended up finishing his career, like top five and three-pointers made. That shot looked, it was rough in the beginning of his career. But give these guys time. They're all young. They're 20 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, they have potentially 20 years to go. I mean, who knows? You could easily carve out a 15-year career in the NBA where you improve little by little year over year and end up one day shooting, say, 37% from three. That's that's good enough for me. Yeah, for sure. All right. I think our number two and our number one are going to be the exact same. So I would imagine so. Let's go to number two. Let's talk it out and, and discuss who you have at number two. At number two, I have Scoot Henderson. Look, same. Scoot, real good player. Obviously, looked at as the best guard in this draft. The one thing I, I do not like is the height. He's smaller than I think anyone would have preferred. Some have him listed at 6'2". Is he really 6'1"? Whatever. He's obviously going to be a really good player in this league, but I don't think that Scoot is the type of player that the Pacers push all the chips in and trade up to then bring in another guard. But you're going to get someone that is a really good you know, finisher, uh athlete uh somewhat a good playmaker six and a half assists per game to go in addition to his 16 and a half points so much to like but i also just think that he's not in the cards for the pacers here's what i'll say about scoot henderson i have missed at two in his number well because i think the pacers if they would have gotten a top three pick and the guy they wanted was off the board brandon miller <laughs> that makes the most sense with their roster now i still think they take scoot henderson and here's why this is probably the most intriguing player to enter the draft in a long time. If there's no Victor Wimbanyama, I think a lot of people are saying he's the hands down number one overall pick. Yep. And like you said, he's only six foot two, six foot one, but he's got a six foot nine wingspan, Fachi. I mean, this Great. guy is going to, he is an incredible athlete. Like, you want to talk about a human highlight reel? You're talking about Scoot Henderson. This guy can do it all. And he's got a chip on his shoulder because everybody, was talking about Wimbenyama when Metropolitan's 92 came to play the Ignite and they aired that game on national television. Which was awesome. He balled out. He balled out. And he was not afraid to attack. He is so, excuse me, I almost burped there. <laughs> He's so quick. Uh, we've been talking for a while, so I, excuse me. <laughs> but <laughs> he is just an elite athlete. And I'm telling you, 
him and Halliburton could play together. There's no doubt about it. But it also makes you wonder, like, is that the best fit roster-wise? And I don't necessarily think it is. But I can't imagine passing on him just because you know what he could become. And it's like I said earlier with Cam Whitmore, if it's not a good fit with Matherin, well, if Scoot Anderson's better than Matherin, sorry, Matherin. But, you know, I, I don't like talking like that. But I'm just saying, if you're building your team, you can't worry about who you took the year before if the year after him is better. Let's just do a prime example here of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Colin Sexton one year, Darius Garland the next. Well, they traded Colin Sexton because Darius Garland was a better player. So you just got to look at it in that perspective. If he can get up and get Scoot Henderson, and if he can fit very well next to Tyrus Halliburton, and it's a perfect fit, then you do it. But the height is a bit of a question mark. Um, the shooting, not a great three-point shooter at all, Fachi. So mm-hmm. he's going to have to improve on that. But work ethic, uh the spirit that he plays with, the athleticism, the feel for the game, the instincts, the you know the the quick step, the the shiftiness, the the playing that mentality of having like that dog in him. That is exactly who Scoot is. So like everything you want, you're talking about Russell Westbrook in his prime before all the other stuff happened. Why wouldn't you want that guy on your team? You'd almost be kicking yourself if you didn't. So that to me is like why I understand Pacer fans don't love the fit. I understand why you'd love the fit. And I understand why I'm not in love with the fit, but man, if he's there on the board, I got to consider it. No doubt there. And there is no scenario that he is on the board when the Pacers are picking, unless they do trade up. However, you know, another name that, that they compare him to shades of a Derek Rose or an Allen Iverson. So you could see what you're getting in terms of a very shifty guard, uh, from a shooting standpoint, another one of those players that just has to improve his shot. 42.4% on pull-up twos, uh, 27.5% from three-point land. So there leaves more to be desired there, but I have faith that he will figure that out over time because he's a very special talent. And, you know, the sad thing is, is yeah, maybe if he was a couple inches taller, maybe I am far more sold, but I just feel like the fact that we have Tyrese Halliburton makes me feel just – Hey, if there's a, another any other position of need, I'm on board. And Scoot will be a very good player in this league for a very long time. But I just don't think he's the one the Pacers want to push the chips in for. But the next guy, the guy at the top of our list, I do think is that guy. And that's perfect fit. Brandon Miller, the perfect fit. At six foot nine, you want to talk about making it even more perfect. Look at the two comparisons Kevin O'Connor has. Shades of Paul George and Danny Granger. Mm. I mean, is that not just meant to be? This is the guy at six foot nine with a wingspan of 6'11". It's just, there's so much to like. Uh, he was, you know, a freshman at Alabama. They had a really good season. We talked about towards the end. They didn't finish as strong as they started. But about 19 points per game, eight rebounds, about a block per game. Shot uh, just over 38% from three. This guy, to me, screams star in the NBA and is what the Pacers have been missing since Paul George left town. Yeah, I, I know that our good friend Rooster is probably listening to this, and he's sold himself on Taylor Hendricks being better than Brandon Miller or right there at, like, at the same level. I'm sorry, that's just not the case. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, it's. Uh, I understand that people all over the place you know, are very turned off by what happened with Brandon Miller off the court i get it i definitely get it it's like oh so he was in he was responsible for a murder of a young woman and you're accepting him as a player it's like look i'm not trying to dismiss what he did okay and and that's a very tough thing about talking about brandon miller that's going to be question marks he has to deal with for the rest of his career 
at least for the beginning part of it. I think it'll eventually pass over. But like I said, the intel that these front office members have about all that stuff is all that matters to me. And if they feel like this is the guy, even if you don't feel like he is the the second best prospect in this draft, or you don't think there's much of a gap between him and Cam Whitmore or Asar Thompson or Taylor Hendricks, whatever. If the front office feels that there's a gap, they're the ones that get paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. And I trust their talent evaluation more than my own and more than anybody else on Twitter, social media, whatever. I, I trust these guys that are getting paid the big bucks that have gone out and seen him play time and time again. Look, six foot nine wings that can be a playmaker that can put you on a poster that can hit you with a step back three or a step back, you know, mid range shot. Those guys do not come along very often. And having prime Paul George, we saw that with the crappy teams we had around him, how good we could still be with Paul George as our best player. You surround him with talent like a Tyrese Halliburton and a Benedict Matherin. Then you feel, you have to feel Bocce super excited about what he can become. And I think that, over the past 20 years, you can say Paul George, Danny Granger are the two best wing players on this team. Maybe Ron Artest is in that conversation as well. Mm -hmm. It's fair. But I will say that like Paul George, Danny Granger, if it's a combination of both those guys, my goodness, that's a player that's going to be in the league for the next 15 years as like your best player. And I think while it's hard to say that, oh, I don't know if he'll be better than Tyrese Halliburton. Well, nobody knows that right now, obviously. It's way too early, but he's got the potential to be better than Tyrese Halliburton and more impactful than Tyrese Halliburton because of his potential on the defensive side of things, being able to guard multiple positions because Tyrese Halliburton has talked about it. He was the target for most def- or most offenses when he was on the defensive side of the ball because he's not a great defender. So I personally just think Brandon Miller would become the best player on this team in five years if you draft him and you move up to get him. So color me crazy. I don't care. I believe 100% in this game. I think that there is star potential there. And the tournament, to me, turned people off. But I think you got to remember he was injured during that time. And through all the stuff that he faced off the court, he did play pretty good basketball, even though that was something he was dealing with off the court. So you have to wonder, does he have that mental toughness? I I think there's a a good chance that he does. Yeah, look, I would have loved to see him perform better in the tournament, but I'm not going to hold a couple of games against him for the next 15 years uh, of his career in the NBA. Uh, Paul George, I would say probably the best talent we have seen in our lifetime as a Pacer fan for the Pacers. This is the guy that is the closest to that. And the difference between a player like a Benedict Matherin that you see as all-star potential, I think Brandon Miller has MVP potential one day, yeah. a player to be getting MVP type votes where as good as Benedict Matherin is, I think you see him more as an all-star type player than an MVP type player. And that's the type of player that you can get in the top two in drafts. Here's what I'll say. I don't know why the top, the second overall pick always ends up being drastically different than the first overall pick where the guys like a Hashim Thabit or a Michael Kidd Gilchrist or, or James Turner. Wiseman, yeah, Evan Turner. Like, I don't know why the second overall pick has been like that. If Brandon Miller is the second overall pick, I think he is not in any of the categories those guys are. This draft seems to be extremely good. You're getting a much larger sample size than, uh, you know, some of the players of like uh, a James Wiseman only played a, a handful of games in college. So I think that, this is a really fun exercise. I think I love how we both agree Victor Wembanyama is the number one pick. No one's even able to trade for it, and that is set in stone. But after that, 
there are some great debates. And I definitely love the fact that our lists were very different mm-hmm. because it shows we're not syncing up beforehand, comparing lists and trying to be redundant. No, this is how we feel. You guys might feel differently. GMs might feel 100% differently, but only time will tell in the end. And it's always fun to revisit these type of lists years later for the guys who rise to the top and the guys that unfortunately maybe never got off the ground. For sure, Fachi. I agree with you there. And like you said, the second overall pick has been (laughs) very up and down in this NBA. It's really been more bad than it's been good. I agree. So it's interesting. You know, Jalen Green, second overall pick a couple years ago. John Morant, four years ago. Um, we make fun of Marvin Bagley, but that's on the Kings. I mean, my goodness. The Lakers Ooh, had yeah. the second overall pick three years in a row. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. I mean, Brandon Ingram obviously was a great pick. The other two obviously had their limitations as players. But I think for every bad pick, when you have a draft that's just like generational, like this is a great draft, I think. You, you you see guys like Kevin Durant come out second, right? Mm-hmm. Where Greg Oden's the clear number one overall pick. That's Victor Wimbanyama. Okay, well, Kevin Durant's a skinny kid, and that's exactly who Brandon Miller is. He's a skinny kid, right? Not probably nearly the same year that Durant had at Texas as that he had at Alabama, but nah. you get what I'm saying. There's always going to be misses. There's always going to be whatever, but most people say Scoot Henderson's the second best prospect. So, you know, let's look at the third overall pick and see what the difference is there, but Anyway, we don't have time for all that. We've done a lot of talking here today, Fachi. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. But I think that you said we had very different boards. But at the same time, I want to say we only have five different ones on our board. I think we had 15 that were the same, 15 consensus. So that's pretty good. I think it is. I think it is. And for for some of those players you know, that you had that I didn't, maybe I was just you know sleeping on them. But it just shows that when the Pacers have three picks in the first round and four in the top 32, we're trying to learn as many prospects as possible. And it is tough to be everywhere based on the landscape of the draft now where you got your your European players, you got your G League players, you know, there's college players. I mean, over time, I mean, there's just so much going on where you could find talent all around the world. And the Pacers could be picking anywhere in the draft here that they want to trade up. So we're trying to cover as many players as possible. If there's someone that we missed, guys, definitely chime in and say, hey, I think you guys are sleeping on this person. Or, "Eh, you know what, I'm a little bit lower on him. We want to hear from you because there are no right or wrong answers, especially when it's a Pacers, you know, big board and not the NBA big board. Because there were many talented guards that we did not have on this list that will be top. 15 picks, you know, there'll be lottery picks, top 10 picks, but maybe we didn't have them on here because it did not make sense for the Pacers. So, you know, fear not if we left someone off that you guys like. Can I just quickly go ahead and read through some of these number three overall picks since I looked it up just real quick, just going to give you guys an idea of how much better the third overall pick has been in the draft compared to the second. Jabari Smith, Evan Mobley, LaMelo Ball, RJ Barrett, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, James Harden, Al Horford, Darren Williams, Ben Gordon, Carmelo Anthony, Pau Gasol, Baron Davis, just to name a few. Wow. That is much better than the number two overall picks. I know we just kind of went through some of the worst number two overall picks, but there's well, a lot. I went of... through, that's about, the, that's about as yeah. good as it gets is like Brandon Ingram, Kevin Durant, and, mm. you know, you're looking at a bunch of misses, really. 
Yeah, that that's wild because for the number three pick, you're talking about all stars, MVPs, scoring title guys, Hall yep. of Famers. I mean, some of the best players in the MVP. I mean, some of the best players in the league over there. Like Joel Embiid just won MVP. Jason yeah. Tatum likely wins an MVP. Luka Doncic, well, you know, it's like he will win an MVP. So it's like and James Harden, James Harden, Harden. exactly. Spalgasol, Baron Davis. Like these guys are great. Yeah, it really is. So, wow. I mean, it's crazy. And one last thing I want to touch on, because we did go through the list of uh, the history of the seventh overall pick. Yeah. Uh, The list of the eighth overall picks is one of the worst lists I have ever seen. So, guys, I know that, um, you know, we're we're, uh, not where we didn't move up in the draft by any means. Well, the, luckily, we did not move back because the eighth overall pick is very tough. Yeah, I'm looking at that list now, and good grief. Best player on that list, Rudy Gay? <laughs> Maybe. I, I, Jamal I got Crawford? Good it's, grief. It's really, really tough because you start to then sell yourself into like, well, Jadavious Caldwell Pope's been a good role player, and it's like that's where you're at with it outside of Franz Wagner. So it's just like he was really the only one. Yeah, Franz is a good one. He was the only one that I was like, okay, all right. You know, there's there's a lot of promise there, but it was totally something where it's just very limited role players. But at seven, we went through. There's a lot of good players to like. So just a reminder, things could always be worse. Just know how to draft. All right. So, Fachi, real quick, tell people where they can find us out on social media as we wrap up part two of our top 20 NBA or Pacers big one. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers Podcast. We can find all of our awesome content over there and subscribe on both YouTube and our Substack, settingthepacepodcast.substack.com. And Fachi, if you're glad our top 20 big board is done and we can continue focusing on what's yet to come, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gonna need a mop. Smooth. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.